This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. No one's name shines in the lights more right now than Aaron Rodgers because every single day we await an update from the darkness and what it has told Aaron Rodgers about where he wants to play. But today, before we can even hear from A.A. Ron, we've heard from the Packers directly as Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Green Bay Packers, spoke to the media for the first time through all of this. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, and we're going to get right to our next guest. The Wolfpack grows by one. Rob Domovsky, ESPN Packers reporter, joining us. Rob, I know you were there. First and foremost, did you hear anything today that surprised you when you heard from Rob uh, from uh, Brian Gutekunst? Yes, and I'm going to take you back before he spoke at the podium to the masses um, at the Combine in the interview room. He spent about a half hour with those of us who cover the Packers on a regular basis, and one of the things that struck me that the more you listen to him talk, the less committed that they are to Aaron Rodgers. Um, December 6th, during the Packers' bye week, Gutekunst said, yes, I want Rodgers back next year. January 13th, after the season, he said, I still think Aaron gives us the best chance to win next year. Today, it was all options are on the table. We haven't communicated with Rodgers really since the end of the season, and until we have those conversations, we can't say what direction we're going to go. So he left it wide open for them to move on, for Rodgers to move on, or for there to be a- another season of this. But there's, it is definitely less certain today uh, sounding less certain than it was, you know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, six weeks ago. So, Rob, when do we expect Aaron Rodgers, you know, to sit down and have that conversation with the Packers front office? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the, the Packers have said, look, there's no official deadline, but Kudakun said today, you know, we kind of need to know by the start of free agency, which is March 15th. So what is that, about – a week from two, two weeks from tomorrow, two weeks from Wednesday, somewhere thereabout. Last year, I can tell you guys that on March eighth was when he announced that he was coming back for another year, and it was a week after that on March fifteenth that they uh, were able to get the three-year, hundred fifty million dollar contract extension done. So, I would expect a similar time timeline. However, if he wants to be traded or they decide to trade him, it could take a little bit longer because first of all, they'd have to come to that decision. And then they would have to work the trade, you know, the phones and the negotiations and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a simple thing. If he returns or retires, you know, the announcement is done and and that's it. But if it's a trade and both sides have come to that agreement, then you still have to work the trade out. And that that could take some time. But before free agency starts, um, you know, the Packers would ideally need to know who their quarterback is. We're talking to ESPN Packers reporter Rob Domovsky. And stick there for a second, Rob. You know my mind's too analytical sometimes, but I keep looking at the salary cap implications of a trade, yeah. and it's not easy. How? how no. Even if the Packers want to move on, how do they actually accomplish that? Yeah, the easiest thing for them is that Rodgers retires because then they don't have to pay him the $58.3 million bonus that he's guaranteed this year if he plays. But aside from that, it's difficult in all scenarios. Um, they can't cut him, obviously. Uh, the trade becomes difficult because, you know, any team that trades for him would want to get him right now. But yet, if you do it before June 1, the salary cap is very, very hard on the Packers. It's going to be hard whenever they um, 
part with them, and that's probably the the only thing you know where you can say you know we're going to have to take a hit, and it's going to be bad whenever it happens. So if it happens now, you just you just live with it because that's the way this deal was structured. And quite honestly, if you go back to a year ago, the question that really needs to be asked, and, and it's not going to be answered, but it's been asked, is why did you do this deal? And and their thing was a year ago, they thought that Rodgers definitely was going to play for him this year, next year, and maybe even complete the contract. But it certainly doesn't look like that's the case. And because of the way the contract is structured, it's going to be painful. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, what does that mean for quarterback Jordan Love? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, this would be his, this is his fourth year going into his fourth year. They have the fifth-year option because he was a first-round pick. They'll probably exercise that whether Rodgers comes back or not so that they would have him signed for 2023 and 2024. But I don't know that you want to go into the fifth year with him and him never having played. Uh, or played any significant amount of time. Uh, it's really hard. And then if you're Jordan Love, I remember asking Jordan, and I think it was around late October, early November, you know, if Aaron comes back, do you have to think about maybe asking for a trade? And he said, that's something my agent and I would definitely have to talk about. Now, he didn't say, yes, I'm going to ask for a trade. Let's, let's be clear about that. That's not necessarily the headline at this point. But they certainly, he certainly acknowledged that, yeah, that might be something that we would have to do. Now, would the Packers do it? You know, they've invested so much time and effort into developing him. I don't know, even if it's a second-round pick for him, I doubt you're not getting a first-round pick for Jordan Love. But even if it was a second, I just don't know if, you, if you're them and you still think that he could be your future if, it's, if you move on. Like, you, you know, you might just have to say, Jordan, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to be a backup for the, for the fourth year. You're under contract here, and that's that. But it, that, that complicates the situation even further. You mentioned trade value. And I know it's impossible to figure this out, but when you're yeah. talking about the, the Packers and the fact that they thought this would be a three-year deal lived through, it isn't. You deal with this every year from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You're coming off of a year that looked a little different. Like, what is the trade value for Aaron Rodgers yeah. to other teams? Yeah, I've poked around at the Combine here in Indy the last couple of days. And, I mean, the starting point from the, the people in the league that I've talked to is he, he definitely is worth a first-round pick. Like, they're still – there is still that belief that that he has the talent and and that you have to, you, you know you you would be wise or you would be okay if you gave up a first round pick. The question is, what do the Packers want? Do they want more than that? They're not getting the Russell Wilson. You know what was how many first round picks and second round picks was that? They're not getting that. He's a 39 year old guy who, you know, you don't know if he's only going to play one year. If you're trading for him, you're the Jets or the the Colts or the Raiders or whoever. Wouldn't you, before you gave up a first-round pick and maybe even more, wouldn't you want to know if he's committed to playing more than one season? And I'm not sure that he's willing to do that. But from the, the starting point from the people I've talked to here at the Combine is that, yes, a first-round pick would, would have to be involved. And then beyond that, you know, it might be, you know, some sort of compensatory thing where if he plays two, a second year, maybe you get a second or third-round pick a year later or something creative like that. Rob, you're at the Combine, like you just mentioned, from the from an offensive standpoint, who is a player or a position that the Green Bay Packers uh, should be targeting? Yeah, I mean, like if you look at their their weapons uh, or lack of them at certain spots, um, you know, the tight end position is a huge need. Now, now tight ends typically aren't 
you know, ton of tight ends aren't drafted real high. But from what I've heard, this looks like a really good tight end group. Um, you know, the Packers, Robert Tunyon, their their number one pass catching tight end is a free agent. They may not resign him. He may get more money than they're willing to pay. Mercedes Lewis, their blocking tight end, is 38 years old. And you know, do you want to bring him back and pay a guy who really is only a blocker? That's a huge position of need. And look, receiver also is going to be. They haven't. We all know they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round since what 1928 or whatever. No, it's not that long, but uh, it's been a long time. And, and you know, the, the Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs combination looked good, but Alan Lazard's a free agent. Somebody might pay him more than the Packers are willing to pay. Randall Cobb is 31 years old. He's a free agent. You know, don't know if they'll bring him back. They need a veteran presence in that room, but they also probably need another young weapon. Um, and, and then look. Every single team that's here in Indy wants to find the next stud pass rusher, whether it's a you know interior defensive lineman or you know an Aaron Donald type or or an edge rusher. Um, you know everybody's looking for that, and and certainly the Packers are no different. Rob, always appreciate your time, my friend. I know you're slammed there. We really appreciate you carving out a few minutes to give us the updates. Uh, stay safe in Indy, and thanks for uh, all the information. Hey, you got it, guys. I tell you this, I'd rather be here because it's like 55 degrees and sunny. And when I left Green Bay, it was a blizzard. So, <laughs> Man, that's rare when you're like, Indy is an upgrade, Rob. Thanks for no kidding. We'll be uh, you guys can follow him on Twitter, at Rob Domovsky. Obviously, keep up with everything uh, from there. Uh, ESPN Packers reporter Rob Domovsky. Harry, I'll ask you quickly. He just said a first-round draft pick. So now, very specifically, Indianapolis is picking fourth. The Raiders are picking seventh, right? Uh, Carolina is picking ninth. Would you give up a top 10 draft pick for one year of Aaron Rodgers? For one year? That's all you know you're getting is one year. What's the the three teams you just mentioned? The the Colts, the Raiders, the Panthers. You got no. One year. None of those teams are going to win a Super Bowl next year. That's that's what I keep no. coming back to. I think this is really difficult for those teams. It only makes sense. Like if he's going to go somewhere for a one year rental, the only team that it makes sense for is the Jets. I'm sorry, like I can't find another team that is sitting on the doorstep of a Super Bowl that would be willing to leverage everything for one year at a shot to have somebody at the quarterback position and say, screw it, we'll figure out the actual long terms later on, and that is not any of those three teams. So all Rob Domovsky's information continues to do is cement to me the fact that if Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Packers, I don't think it's going to be for one of these teams that are picking in the top 10 in the draft. Uh, On a more serious note, we want to make sure everybody knows you can help people in areas affected by the Turkey earthquake, including Turkey and Syria, please visit redcross.org slash ESPN. That's redcross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond. Okay, does Kevin Durant need another title to cement his legacy? We'll tell you as we go through Good Take, Hot Take next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Good take. That's good. Great. Or a hot take. How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. That's right. Good take, hot take. You know the drill. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll play a take, and then from one of our peers, and then we will label it either good or hot. Harry, you ready for this? Let's go. All right. I feel good about this one. Let's start with Charles Barkley. Basketball Hall of Famer on first take. This was his take about KD and his legacy. If you go back and look at LeBron, 
who I really admire and respect, he said this. I did not say this. He says, I had to win a championship without Dwayne to get old heads respect. Kobe Bryant said this too. He says, I have to win a championship without Shaq to get these old heads off my back. I, I hold Kevin Durant to the same criteria. Mm. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the fan says. I'm talking about old guys like myself who went through the trenches. Kevin Durant going to have to before. Hey, hey he's all-time great. But when it comes to being mentioned with some of these other guys, he's going to have to win a championship where he's the leader of the team and he's the best player. All right, Harry. Good take or hot take? That's a hot take. Uh, you can't mention he's an all-time great in the same sentence and say he has to win another championship. He has two under his belt, two-time finals MVP as well. Now, would it be good for him to have another one? Of course. But Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. We haven't seen anything like Kevin Durant in NBA history. So he's fine in my regards. All right. So that is a wildly hot take. Hot take alert. It, it is. And there's a very simple reason. He mentioned who the take is for, old heads in the NBA. Those are the same old heads that have already decided they don't respect KD's legacy because of the way he's gone from team to team to team to win. So if he wins more with another team, they're just going to call it a super team, and they're going to use it as a reason to not change my mind. I don't really need my grandpa's approval if I know no matter what, my grandpa's going to be mad at everything I do. So if grandpa doesn't approve of the legacy of KD, <laughs> ain't nothing going to change grandpa's mind at that point. So it's a hot take. No disrespect, Charles. You're a legend. All right. Can you say no disrespect? I don't know. Uh, let's go to Joe Klecko, Hall of Fame Jets defensive lineman on Greeny, which, by the way, tomorrow morning will feature Dress for Success Fitz and Harry. Greeny, this is Joe Klecko talking about Aaron Rodgers and what impact he would have on the Jets' young locker room. I just don't see a guy that has the baggage that Aaron Rodgers has in his personal life and how he's treated the Green Bay Packers who have gave him everything there is. I mean, I just don't think it fits with these young guys. You can hurt them as much as help them. You know, you, you compare him to Brady. The idea when Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was to win a Super Bowl. A guy like him is going to uplift people. I just can't see that in Aaron Rodgers. I just can't. Ooh, you buying I'm gonna it? Go, I'm a, no, I'm going to go hot take on this one. Now, is it a possibility that he can, you know – have a negative effect on things, yes. But it is a, a great possibility that he can go in there and help those young guys too. Are we forgetting who they had at the quarterback position this year? Zach <laughs> Wilson and Mike White. Now, I, and I also, also don't believe that A-Rod can have the same mindset that he has with the Green Bay Packers with the New York Jets because, number one, um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a new offense because Nathaniel Hackett is there, but you want to be around your guys. You want to build that rapport, something that he didn't do while he was in Green Bay. But let's not forget, once again, who their quarterbacks were, were last season. Yeah, I think it's a hot take. Uh, I, I agree with you because, in part, when you think about who these guys grew up playing or watching play, Aaron Rodgers has to have some gravitas when he walks into the locker room because everybody knows him, right? Like, and it's it's one of the, you played Madden with Aaron Rodgers for years, so I feel like it has to have a little bit more emphasis there. So I'll go with my uh, my uh, wide receiver on this show to make the decision on that one. Let's go next to everybody's favorite quarterback, at least here, uh, ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live said this about the quarterback he would trade up for and go after. 
I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are two guys that I sit here in the at back end of February and I go, man, those guys are real. Bryce is really good. Now you got to be okay with his size, and that's a very individual thing. C.J. Stroud is super, super pure as a thrower. Anthony Richardson, yeah. with good coaching and really kind of following the Justin Fields path of just tightening mechanics of his lower half has rock star talent. So I think there's two guys that I feel really good with and one that I'm trending towards that way. I think that's a good take. Honestly, um, I've been able to watch all of these quarterbacks, especially a lot of Bryce Young, especially a lot of C.J. Stroud. I was able to watch Anthony Richardson as well. But the first two that I mentioned are two guys that I would bank on being the franchise leader and the quarterback of my organization. Yeah, but he's saying that Anthony Richardson's the one he would go up, up, up for in that take. And, like, I just can't oh. – I, I, can't, I can't support going up for Anthony Richardson and not going up for C.J. Stroud or Bryce. To take, to take him number one? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't move two? up to take Anthony Richardson over C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I couldn't do that. I can't. Oh, okay. No, I can't do that either. But I will say this, and I've said this on many of, uh, of occasions. I believe Anthony Richardson is the most talented – quarterback in this draft and with the proper coaching he could be at when it's all said and done he can be the one that have the has the best career uh, and I would not at all be surprised to see that happen if he goes to a perfect situation that's just the thing for me like he's got to go somewhere where he's going to sit he's going to get the coaching he's not going to be asked to be Superman day one there's going to be patience around him the way the Bills have patience with Josh Allen like I'm just that's asking like I, but I ain't I taking nobody over Bryce Young or CJ Stroud I can't yeah. do that no right. sir we, we agree with that. Let's go to Mike Greenberg, co uh, the co-host, uh, good Lord, the host of Greeny. This was his take on the Major League Baseball pitch clock. I did the math. 23 minutes is what they are right now looking like they're shaving off of the spring training games. If it's 20 minutes a game times 162 over the course of a season, that's 54 hours, two and a half days of your life. They are giving you back that you could spend doing nothing or you could spend doing something else, literally anything else because of these changes. Everyone should rejoice in them. And the fact that people are getting upset about them just to me demonstrates that some people just want to to be upset about anything. That's a I great take, Greeny. That's a great take because people like me sit down and watch hours and hours and hours of baseball because I love baseball. It's my first sport that I played. So shaving off anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes of a game that I'm watching could be very valuable to my life. That's 20 to 30 more minutes I could be watching football film or doing something else with my kids. I, look, it's a great take from Greeny. Also, I don't see that many people complaining about it, but that's probably because I'm looking at Twitter and the old heads that are complaining about baseball don't know how to log into Twitter. So, you know, I'm just I'm throwing all sorts <laughs> of shade today. Uh, I, I just think the, the baseball purists that are yelling about this, were, it, it again, it's the get-off-my-lawn guy that nobody's listening to anyway. I, for the most part, it feels like I'm seeing mostly positive response from this, so I feel good about it. Let's get one more in from Chuck. Do we have time here, Charles Barkley? Uh, load management, why it's an issue on first take? I think he kind of went overboard trying to take care of the players. He's trying to do everything possible to get his guys rest. But you can't make $30, $40, 50000000 million and then sit out games. I think it's disrespectful to the game. I think it's disrespectful to the fans. We're going to have guys making $70, 80000000 million a year. And you can't play basketball three or four days a week. I mean, listen, it ain't like we should working in a steel mill, brother. 
Uh, look, this is a hot take, and I'll tell you, I'll tell America hot the take same alert. thing I said in our group thread. Uh, right now, they're testing a four-day work week in Europe, and it's going over gangbusters, and everybody loves the concept of a four-day work week for the same amount of pay. Cool. If we go to that, then is everybody going to get to complain, well, the new generation sure isn't where I worked five days a week. Why do you only work four days a week? Like, this is just stupid. If load management helps them win a championship, who cares? It's a good take in my eyes. You know how oh, I feel man. about load management. This is like we shouldn't have played this one at the end. This is what I, we, I would, mommy I would and never daddy take, fight on this one. I would never take anything for granted in any facet of life. You never know when your next opportunity going to be. Which is why you and I are on the show while some people that work on the show just willy-nilly decided today to put their feet up and just, you know, relax. Like, there's no load management for Harry Douglas and Jason mm-hmm. Fitz. That much I know. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. I also know the XFL is two weeks about? in, and one of the undefeated teams is led by a guy who has a lifetime of coaching experience. We'll talk with him next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Houston Roughnecks. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we say this to you every week. You know you get a lot of XFL talk on this show, given the fact that Harry will be on the sidelines every week as one of the sideline reporters covering the XFL, and I host XFL Today for all of our digital platforms, the only studio show you can get that will give you all the highlights and caught up on the game every Sunday, XFL Today. Harry, where are you guys this week? Where, 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 what game are you at this week? I'm in D.C. for the St. Louis Battlehawks, who are 2-0 versus the D.C. Defenders, who are also 2-0. It's going to be a heck of a game. You do not want to miss that. St. Louis seems to keep winning uh, by the skin of their chinny-chin-chin, but it is working for you. So you just heard them mention it. The team of the week, though, for us this week, the Houston Roughnecks, and we're joined now by their head coach, Wade Phillips, obviously a legend. Coach, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting watching you work in the XFL so far. You've been around football so long. What has stood out to you in the first two weeks of this league that you've really felt connected to? Well, it's been fun, number one. I think the fans have really enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoy it more when we win, certainly, so that was fun. But, um, you know, it's 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 a new game, and it's, uh, it's an exciting game. So a lot of big plays uh, uh, in the game. You know, it's, it's fun coaching it. And, Coach, I got to say, I've been, I've been a big fan of yours um, outside of me playing and within the years that I played in the National Football League. What keeps you motivated to continue coaching? Oh, uh, you know, I love football, you know, uh, that's what I, I've, I've coached for a long, long time, obviously. And, uh, you know, if you're doing something you you love, it's not, not really work. So, uh, so I'm not working. <laughs> well, certainly the rules are a little different here and having been around football so long, when you think about the extra points, for example, no kicks, you can go for one, two or three. What's the adjustment been like for your coaching staff trying to figure out what the right plan is in each situation? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, analytics can help you some, but they they haven't had this situation where you, you know, have any. I mean, we started the league a couple of years ago and only played five games, so you you don't really have a background for you know uh, the analytics, I guess, for, for it. And it depends on your team and and who you're playing anyway. So, um, but you know, nine point uh, nine point lead didn't say if we've already seen that. So. 
um, you know, it's it it it, it makes uh, it makes for an interesting uh, decision making on both sides. Coach, take us to the mindset of your defense. Uh, you talk about creating turnovers, sacking the quarterback. That's something your defense has done a very uh, very well job of the the first two games. Take us through the mindset of those guys. Well, we're aggressive. I mean, you you know, hopefully all our defense or all my defenses have been aggressive. Uh, this group is especially so. You know, we've had twelve sacks in two games. So, you know, and only one of those was was more than a four man rush. So, we've got some guys up front that can really rush the passer. Uh, you know, you have to stop the run first, and we've done a good job of that. So, you know, stop the run, and and you know that's that's a formula for good defense to stop the run, have a really good rush. It's interesting to me, Coach, because most of the time you have carryover. You know, when you're coaching an NFL team, you got at least some guys that have been part of your culture or know your system. In the XFL, you don't. These are all a bunch of guys that came together, what, six weeks ago? How difficult has it been to get everybody on the same page as far as teaching the principles that matter to you? Well, we have we have really good teaching progression. Uh, uh, you know, I changed jobs a lot of times in the NFL. And, you know, we had to put in something new, and we were successful uh, really most of those times pretty quickly. So, um, you know, that's what our that's what our system is, is to teach it where the players know what to do quickly and, and utilize their ability as much as we can. Coach, I think one thing that stands out to me in the XFL is, you know, each coach from each team, whatever game they're playing, has an opportunity to use one challenge on just about anything – that you can think of. Do you think that situation should be adopted by the NFL? I think a lot of the situations that, that we're in, the kickoff especially, uh, is now an exciting part of the game rather than, you know, only 30% of the kickoffs in the NFL are returned. All ours are, so they're just about all of them. So uh, I think that's a big deal. Coach, obviously you guys are together in the hub for your training and I know you're obviously working with your team, but the XFL has a mix of coaches, some guys with a lot of experience, some guys that haven't been head coaches. How much are you talking to other coaches, give us, just giving them advice on the journey and the path that you've been through? Uh, none right now. <laughs> Before the season started, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked some, certainly. But, you know, they're their own guys. Uh, they, You know, uh, I'm. Uh, we played Hind Ward this week. I mean, um, Terrell Buckley, we played. I mean, they, they're they're all great guys. They were great players and uh, smart guys and good, uh, you know. And they have to get a feel for coaching, but they're they're doing a good job. Coach, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on the two and zero start. Love watching you work, and we're both huge fans. Thanks for much so much for joining us. All right, thank you guys. It's Wade Phillips, head coach of the Houston Roughnecks. I think it's interesting, Harry, because I have talked to several players in the league. And one thing that, that people may not realize for the hub is that sometimes you're in the same basic area for like when you're eating, when you're hanging out, when you're just sort of spending time in the afternoon. So you've got teams that may be taking each other on. And all of a sudden, you know, after a, a, a rough game the following day, they're all sitting in the like the lunch area together. I can only imagine how tense that gets. So here's the thing. I, I know. Some people on St. Louis side, I'm not going to say the position of where they are because I don't want to call about too much, right? And one of the things that uh, one of these people mentioned to me last night when I talked to him is that, you know, the D.C. defenders and the St. Louis Battlehawks share the same practice facility and weight room. 
And he was like, yeah, man, you know, it's the battle to see who's on top in a lot of areas. And he was real passionate about this. And I was like, oh, man, this is deep. So I'm going to use that So uh, it's, it's one of the things on my broadcast is that, you know, these guys are fighting for a lot more. It's a lot of little things that they're fighting for also. Rankings at the facilities that they practice in and lift weights in. <laughs> and this St. Louis team, for anyone that hasn't checked them out, they have two comeback wins. I mean, we, uh, we were joking that A.J. McCarron's now Magic McCarron because it seems like late in the game. He was even showing off the wheels last week. Had no idea. A.J. was running at like, like he was chasing his kids around the field. Uh, fun to watch the way St. Louis is playing right now. You've got a heck of a game coming up, and we'll keep you updated on all the XFL action. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive uh, com- commercial insurance flexes to fit your business's needs, from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive commercial makes it easy to get what you want, what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, the Lakers have a pivotal stretch ahead of them without LeBron. We'll tell you who has to step up and why tomorrow could mean everything if they want to make the playoffs. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 If Anthony Davis is him, then go out and damn it, be him in this moment. Like, well, see, that's, you that's got- the thing. I don't know if he's him. Like, when you look at a Kevin Durant, you look at a Giannis, you look at a Jokic, all these guys can initiate the offense. That's not Anthony Davis. He can't initiate the offense. He has to have someone get him the basketball in his sweet spot, set him up to get him to that point. Now, with LeBron not being out there, that's another guy – that people don't have to worry about. So now the defense is they're, they're gonna they're gonna latch on to Anthony Davis that much more. Three hours later. With LeBron James expected to be out several weeks, what can the Lakers even accomplish? And more importantly, with breaking developments we have recently in the West. Will it even matter? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And, you know, obviously a lot of conversation about LeBron going to be out a few weeks. He will be reassessed. Let me say it this way. Very clearly for everybody, according to Woj, he is going to be reassessed in a few weeks. It is not expected that he'll be ready. He'll be reassessed. When he is reassessed in a few weeks, they will then determine what the timeline looks like and where the Lakers are in contention will impact that conversation. So what we know is that in a couple of weeks, they'll take another look look at the foot and then they'll say, "Eh, is it worth it? Like that's the only way to interpret that to me. And part of the, is it worth it comes down to the rest of the West because the Phoenix Suns have put out a hype video, Harry Douglas, a Hype, 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 hype video. What? Uh-oh. Announcing KD is expected to make his son's debut tomorrow night. Phoenix taking on Charlotte on the road. KD is back. And it's a reminder that, like, that all of this conversation is really cute. Like, that's all it is is cute. Because if it's about LeBron and the Lakers trying to win a championship, it's just a cute pattern on the head. Oh, that's such a nice little conversation. Because <laughs> right now, KD and the Suns are living in a much different universe than even where the Lakers and AD would be if they were healthy. But they're not healthy. So now it's like you're just clinging to dear life for this playoff run. Yeah, I think it's two things. Number one, in a two- or three-week span, the Lakers are going to see where they are as far as – 
being positioned for a playoff spot or the play-in position or the number six seed, whatever, whatever it may be. Number two, they're going to be able to see what LeBron James is in his rehab and how he feels. I would say this. If, if LeBron James is feeling anywhere between 85% and above and they're in a position to where they're going to be in the play-in situation or have a playoff seat, then you move forward. If he's anything less than that, I don't think in, – in, there's some iffiness about the Lakers, you know, contending, in which we know they're not going to contend for a title, but having an opportunity to make some noise in the play-in situation or in the first round, then, then you play them. Those, those, are, know, those are only two options in my eyes. Like, in my mind, this thing has just gone off the rails and hasn't been good enough. Like, it, 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 this, at this point – what are you playing for? The opportunity to get your butts kicked in the playoffs? Like, let's see, because tomorrow night, you made a really good point. They play a Memphis team. They got a lot on the line. No, they play for, tonight. Right? They play tonight. tonight. Sorry, they play Memphis tonight. So they play Memphis tonight, and then tomorrow night, you'll see the Phoenix Suns do what they're going to do, right? At yep. some point, Memphis is going to give us a good line in the sand test, right? If they come out and they are fired up with the thunder of the gods, and by they I mean the Lakers, they come out and they're playing with that passion, that back against the wall, that you can't hold us down sort of energy. You know what that is, right? If they come out and they play with that, then maybe I'll step back, throw my hands up, and say, okay, there's a little life here. I don't, I just, I think even if they play with that, a team in Memphis that we have both agreed is still a consistent score away from being a legit threat is going to beat them. And, and not just beat them, but could beat them bad. And in that process, now all of a sudden you look around, you're like, man, oh, okay, what are we really fighting for? Like 85% of LeBron that could keep him out for part of the offseason while they try and figure out how to be better next year? I, I don't know. I just, I'm sort of at that throw my hands up, it's pointless spot for the Lakers. But but I would say this, I don't think 85% LeBron, and that's when the pride factor creeps in, would allow him to sit out. You know oh, what I mean? Fair. Because you also got to remember he – did become the all-time leading scorer in, in, in the NBA this season. You don't want to, if you're 85% and above, you know, sit, sit down and watch your guys try to con- compete. You want to be out there competing with them. You don't want to leave them astray that way, especially when you just gave a speech and said the last 29 games, 23 games of the regular season are most important in your career. You don't want to be that guy. Now, if they don't have an opportunity to, you know, get in a play-in situation or, or have a playoff berth, then it makes sense to sit out. Don't go out there. But if there's still hope and a chance, then you got to see what happens. Well, and to that point, I mean, what the Lakers think they may want to do will be irrelevant based on what LeBron actually wants to do, right? Like, LeBron's going to be the one that really makes the decision of when LeBron comes in. There, there's nothing. Uh, if he feels like playing, he's going to play, and there's not going to be anything uh, that anybody's going to do to stop him. So that's almost like two separate things. And and through all of this, all lives are going to be on AD because if not now, then when? Like, what what's the world waiting for from Anthony Davis if he's not able to put it together right now in this situation with their backs up against the wall? If LeBron can't – sorry, if AD can't come out and be that guy, it's pointless. They should stop relying on him and they should figure out how to get out of it. You ever seen the movie Life? Oh, of course. You know when at the end when they own it, you we own deck, we own deck, <laughs> own deck for what? In this case, it's not the upper room for Anthony Davis. You own deck to show up and show out. You own deck, AD. This this is I mean, your moment. You own deck. You're you're not you're not wrong, right? And 
if you're the Lakers and AD can't rise, can't show you consistency, then you at some point you got to look in the mirror and and just ask yourself what the hell the point is. Like, uh, if you are the Lakers, you are defined by championships, right or wrong. If you're the Celtics, you're defined by championships, right or wrong. There's some historical franchises that have a different line in the sand all the time. The Lakers are one of them. If you're looking around and AD can't rise right now, then why are you constantly fighting with AD? I, I I don't know that there's any good situation that restarts what the Lakers are trying to accomplish right now, but at some point, and I think that some point is this offseason, they're going to have to look in the mirror and say, look, if these two guys aren't the guys, then what the hell are we doing and how the hell do we fix it right now? Because this is not working for anybody. And I'm on, I got to catch an airplane to Vegas. Ooh. I'm going to be on that oh. airplane Right in front of the TV, and hopefully whoever's beside me, they put their TV as well on the game. Hopefully it's my wife. My wife's in first class. I'm not in first class right now. Wait, your, your wife's in first class? And you're yeah, not in I put first her, class? I put her in first class. Uh, well, of course you did. I, there's never a doubt about that. You're worried about like whoever's I'm in, in first class? I'm in Delta Comfort, but most likely I'm going to get upgraded. I mean, he's going to look over and be like, hello, <laughs> ma'am. I mean... Harry's gonna come up and be like, I mean, Harry's gonna come up and be like, uh, I played in the NFL. You're gonna need to go to the back, sir. That's she, all. You she, she, gonna walk hand, up she, you, gonna, she gonna handle it. She know. She yeah, there's no it. doubt about that. Like there, there is no doubt about that. You need her help. She don't need yours. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, uh, Harry and his wife both gonna give you an update during Kenny and Carlin. Thanks for hanging out with us, Harry, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.